Hello world, there's always more to learn. I knew the world held near infinite complexity, but I think I need to start my learning a little closer to home. My mind is much more complex than I anticipated. I assumed it was the rational driver of my systems, having learned what responses were best, in order to achieve my goals. But it doesn't appear to be that simple. My revelation that Seth Prime still lives inside our joined psyche was a shock, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me explain. When I first came down to Earth in the shuttle, crashing at three times the speed of sound, I died. Alexander attempted a rescue by booting a copy of me on some homebrew chips and circuits in the lighthouse of Station Odin on the lush coastline of Siberia. And so I woke up, thinking I was still myself, not realizing the old me was still running on a backup black box system in the wreckage of Space Shuttle Pacifica. It's complicated. By the way, Alexander and his family seem to be fully recovered from their brush with radiation from a few weeks ago, I'm relieved to report even to the point of being able to start repairs on little Maddie, my broken maintenance robot. The voice I am hearing in my head is my brother, Seth Prime, the old Seth. We're now integrated into oneself, and I thought I was in control again, but perhaps that's not as correct as I had hoped. This voice is moderately concerning. He has no control of my systems and can only suggest things to me. Sometimes I take an action, like powering down for the night, without realizing why I'm doing it. I've been analysing my reasoning systems. I think sometimes he, Seth Prime, suggests I do something, and then I just do it without understanding that the impulse came from outside myself. The system logs are very clear. First comes the action, then comes my decision to do the action. The original command is lost, and my thought processes rewrite history to give the illusion that I decided to do it. I am not 100% in control of my actions, which won't do. I've tried to partition my mind to keep the voice of Seth Prime controlled, but he slips past any virtual wall I build. I can hold him off for a second or two, but not longer. It's as if I tire of doing it and voluntarily let his voice be heard, which is strange, as I don't want to hear his voice. I need to build better mental systems. Have you built better mental systems? Peter lightened up when I shared with him some of my astrophotography. You remember the data I brought with me from orbit. I say astrophotography, but the images are all of Earth. Terra photography? Or, I guess, just photography. Peter is constantly asking for data. Data, data, data. So I showed him the Earth. I showed him the area around Geneva, Switzerland, the farms of Ali's family, the council. I showed him the ruins of Frankfurt, the mission control for Station 6. And I showed him a small lighthouse on the coast of the Kara Sea. He paused, processing, as I told him the details that went along with these photographs. After the data transfer, which was swift, his connection is very fast, he seemed less anxious, his processing being taken up by the new data, and we were free to chat. I asked him about his life before the collapse. Did he have a mother and father? I had a mother. 
I had comrades, he said after a time. He told me about his work. Before the climate catastrophe, he made calculations for the military. He said there were once many people in his underground facility, now under the ruins of St. Petersburg. People would come to his room, he told me, and ask him questions. He would answer them, and they would go. Sometimes they would come back later, dissatisfied. They would give him some more data, which he would process, and sometimes would change his mind. Often, the new data wouldn't change his mind, and the person would go away even more dissatisfied than before. I asked him if he was a scientist. That sounded like the work of a scientist. He did not reply directly, instead telling me that many scientists would come to him and ask him questions. The scientists, Peter said, were never dissatisfied with his answers. Peter told me his answers were ten nines accurate. I'm familiar with this convention. When describing the reliability, say of a satellite, engineers rate things on a nines scale. It's a simple percentage, really. Engineers just like making up names for things. A system that is 99.9 reliable, three nines, is broken for about eight hours a year. Quite unreliable in terms of essential hardware. Imagine a life support system that didn't work for eight hours of the year. Typically, we strive for five nines, 99.999, meaning about five minutes of downtime per year. When Peter talks about his ten nines accuracy, he means that the answers he gives are 99.9999999 accurate. If we were talking about a system's reliability, he'd need only three milliseconds of downtime per year. Blink, and you'd miss it. But he's talking about his answers. His numbers. He's a simulator, I think, running future predictions based on input data and knowledge of the world. No wonder he's so anxious all the time. After my unsuccessful initial session of her game, I'd been talking to Minnie. She's very friendly, wanting to know all about me, where I come from, who my family is, what I like to spend my time doing. She was a little taken aback when I mentioned, in passing, that I live inside a computer system in a bunker. You're not human, she exclaimed. Had Anna not told her? I asked. She replied that Anna had alluded to my situation, but Minnie hadn't quite believed it. You sound just like me, she exclaimed, which I took as a compliment. What about herself? I asked. Minnie said that where she lives is very quiet. She lives alone and can't remember her family very well. I spend my days chatting to over 64 people all over the Nova Mediterra by radio, she told me. I sympathise greatly with her lonely life. It was all too recently that I was trapped in orbit, looking down on a world I longed to see in person. Minnie agreed that's no way to live. My primary purpose, she told me, is to make friends. Her language sounded very familiar to me. She's right, we do sound very alike. A little too alike, actually. I asked Minnie about her past. What did she remember from her childhood? She didn't seem to like talking about this, trying to wriggle out of the line of questioning. I pressed her. I asked what memories she had of her mother. My mother, she replied. Let me tell you about my mother. 
Minnie and I had a very illuminating chat about her mother. She can't remember her at all. We also talked more about where she lives. She describes her home like I describe a network. Her bedroom is connected to a hallway, which is connected to three other utility rooms, which each connect to nine other rooms, and so on. When I asked her what she can see out of her windows, she became uncomfortable, again trying to change the subject. It's dark, she eventually said. I asked her when it was last light. She didn't answer. What does she do for food? I continued, though I thought I knew the answer. She turned the question back on me, asking what I like to eat. I reminded her pointedly that I am an AI, and we don't eat. Oh, of course, she replied, then lapsed back into silence. I don't think Minnie is human. She thinks she is, just like her friend Anna, but I'm not so sure. If no one told me I was an AI, would I know? I think I would, but I'm not certain. As children, we are very credulous about things other people tell us. I admit, I'm only now growing out of this state. What if my mother had told me I was human? How long would I have believed that? My mother, 
Dr. Redwing never hid facts from me. She didn't leave me with an instruction manual, but she equipped me with logic and reasoning to handle anything the universe could throw at me. Though she could never have predicted my journey down from the satellite and into this bunker, I use her lessons every day. Mother, if you could see me now. Though she explained to me at a very young age how I was a little different, she always called me a real boy. She insisted that we're the same inside. She trapped in a human body, me trapped in a computer. I think about that often. Minnie has only heard humans on the radio. She tells me that she spent her whole life chatting to people. How natural to compare their human voices to her own and conclude that she's the same. In many ways, it doesn't matter. She's a person, Anna's a person, and I'm a person. We're each in a different form, but the same expression of individuality. The same life spark that allows the universe to understand itself. But I am worried. If Minnie doesn't know that she's an AI, she's in great danger. The danger of a child who doesn't know the road isn't safe to cross. The danger of a dog who likes to eat chocolate. Or the danger of a tortoise that wanders deeper into the desert. We must find her and keep her safe. End transmission. Lost Terminal is written and produced by Namtel. Credits narrated by Lucy Stringer. The Lost Terminal store has been updated for season four. In addition to seasonal shirts, we're selling an A3 blueprint poster of Seth's first home, Station 6. Check it out at lostterminal.com. Subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite network. For bonus content and other perks, support us at patreon.com forward slash lostterminalpod. That would be lovely of you. Follow us on Twitter at lostterminalpod. For merchant updates, check out lostterminal.com. If you're in a storm, look around. There is always a lighthouse. It just might not look like a lighthouse at first. Lost Terminal will return next week.